Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello, and welcome to the ADCES podcast, The Huddle, conversations with the diabetes care team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Kirsten Yale, Research Manager at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Today, we're discussing diabetes technology and the digital renaissance with expert and author David Kerr. David, welcome to the huddle. Thank you very much for your kind invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we are so pleased that you could join us for this conversation. And first, I would say just so we can say congratulations on your relatively new book that's out, Diabetes Digital Health. Oh, you're very kind. We're excited to hear more about it. And secondly, really because, you know, you and I have had such great discussions on diabetes technology and the role of the diabetes care and education specialists and really how that partnership. So the DCES and technology, there's opportunities to expand services into vulnerable populations, which I'm hoping we can chat about a little bit through our conversation. But before we jump into that, I would love for you to introduce yourself to our audience for the people who might not know you. Okay, pleasure. So my name is David Kerr. I'm a Scotsman in the Golden State. Uh, but I mean, I'm a UK-trained physician. I spent many moons in England, actually, leading a large uh, hospital department in internal medicine diabetes. But this is my third time in the United States. Um, I was a fellow at uh, Yale University back in the 1990s doing research on hypoglycemia doing glucose clamps, and we looked at quirky things such as the impact of caffeine on perception of hypoglycemia when we did some other studies within the brain. And then I went back to the UK until 2010 when I took a year off from clinical practice to be editor of the Journal of Diabetes Science and Technology based in Foster City just outside San Francisco went back to the UK and then 2014 moved for the third time to the United States. And I'm now in Santa Barbara, California as Director of Research and Innovation at Sanson Diabetes Research Institute. And it's a real pleasure to be talking about two of my favorite subjects today, technology, diabetes, and more importantly, how we can go forward and really democratize diabetes care. As you said, I think the explosion of technology, digital health and the like, is a real renaissance for the DCES organization. I think the time is perfect for you to take a lead going forward as we go through COVID-19 and beyond. I love that terminology, renaissance people. So maybe that can be our theme throughout the podcast, right? (laughs) Right. So back and forth from the UK to the US, do you think you're here to stay for a little while? Oh, who knows? I mean, life is a journey. And at the moment, we're just doing some pretty, I mean, of course, I'm biased, but some pretty exciting projects where 
looking at the United States, and this is an outsider, I'm looking at the United States and I'm saying, there's something going on here. Um, first of all, we've been pretty unsuccessful in moving the needle to improve outcomes for people with diabetes, despite all this new technology and other innovations, new therapies. But I'm also looking at disproportionate burdens of diabetes affecting different communities across the land. And if you then peel the onion away and look at actually what's going on, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to democratize diabetes healthcare. Um, underserved communities, communities of color, poor people, they're struggling to access a lot of the technology that's available. They're also struggling to access care, even in its basic form. And unsurprisingly, when you look at the evidence, we're seeing poor outcomes or poorer outcomes for these populations. They have more diabetes. They have they develop diabetes at a younger age, particularly the Hispanic Latino community, which I'm involved with. They also have control which with higher A1C levels, and sadly and unsurprisingly, more serious complications. So the question is, why is this happening and what are we going to do about it? And I'm a complete believer that with technology with digital health, we will be able to improve diabetes care for all of these communities. So there'll be much less of a disproportionate impact. So that's really the thrust of the programs that we're involved in at the moment. So before we jump into um, digital health, which I'm super excited to talk about, I'm interested to hear your perspective on this disproportionate burden to people of color? There are a number of reasons for this disproportionate burden. And one of the problems, and again, technology is starting to show some light on this. One of the problems has been that we in the diabetes industry, for want of a better term, have focused on the science in the sense we've become preoccupied with the biology of diabetes. And we have an article coming out soon which describes diabetes as a wicked problem. Now, probably what COVID-19 has done, we have long mistaken diabetes as being a tame problem. And now examples of tame problems are following a recipe, playing chess, or even open-heart surgery. They're tame problems because these problems can be solved by having engineers, clinicians, scientists, develop guidelines and algorithms and systems that do something that they all agree with in terms of the outcomes, such as control glucose. And we have empowered experts and we have created clinical guidelines and we have models of care that perceive diabetes to be tame and therefore solvable. But actually, diabetes is a wicked problem. And wicked problems are others such as um, crime or poverty pandemics. And you can tell if something's wicked because there is, first of all, incomplete or contradictory knowledge. There's a huge number of people involved with different opinions. And importantly, there are interconnections with wicked problems. And that's what we're seeing in diabetes. So you cannot take away the impact of poverty, the impact of low levels of education, the impact of racism, the impact of ageism, they're all contributing 
day-to-day in the global village of diabetes. And the other features of wicked problems are that they constantly change over time. So when you think you've applied a solution and something beneficial is going to happen, then something else appears, which is usually negative. And a wicked problem can never be solved definitively. Solutions are not true or false to wicked problems such as diabetes, but good or bad. And I think what we're seeing in diabetes, with the help of your organization, is a recognition, to put it bluntly, that we need to spend more time, we need to put in more effort dealing with the social determinants of health. Those, by far and away, are disproportionately impacting outcomes for people with diabetes. And we're starting to understand this. And this is where I think technology can really help. Where does the diabetes care and education specialist fit in? I think about 20 years, 30 years ago, we started talking about translational science and then implementation science. And is that where the diabetes care and education specialist can jump in? So that translation between science and the population? So I think where the diabetes education care specialist can jump in is the intersection of the five major determinants of health. To simplify these, they're pretty understandable. They are biology, and that's what we've been pretty preoccupied with over the past few decades. But there's also genetics, and of course, you know, there's a lot of effort going into trying to understand the genetics of diabetes and the complications. But probably more importantly, there is the psychology and the behavioral elements of diabetes both in the prevention of diabetes, but also in supporting people living with this condition. And then the fifth um, determinant of human health is the environment. My prediction is that you and I will be having a conversation in the next few years about the environmental influences on the progression of diabetes, particularly type 2 diabetes. So the care and education specialist is as someone who has knowledge and empathy to help people with diabetes in these areas, to understand people both as individuals, but within the family and the societal ecosystems, and how wicked problems such as crime, poverty, diabetes itself, and sadly, more recently, pandemics are impacting our ability to improve the lives of people with this condition. You know, whenever I talk to diabetes care and education specialists, it's that behavior piece that really stands out. You know, it's a profession that understands all of these pieces that you're talking about, the biology, the genetics, um, the technology, but where they really specialize is that empathy area you're talking about and really the person-centered care. I think there's, I mean, I'm seeing some new information being produced by the organization, which is really, particularly in technology space. Mm -hmm where there's a recognition that technology has a place, but the specialist needs to make sure that the technology that's being created is technology that is compassionate. And that's where I think the renaissance for the education and care specialist is beginning. And technologies such as smart insulin pens, which I totally believe will revolutionize insulin treatment for the majority of people who require insulin, that's a technology which is really going to be a game changer. 
there's a real opportunity and it's actually a necessity for the care and education specialists to be the leaders in this. And I've come from the UK where the use of technology or the application of technology is applied differently from the US. In the UK, in our diabetes center in the south of England, when a decision was made, you know, an agreement between a person with type 2 diabetes and myself or the team that we're going to start insulin, we handed on the initiation of insulin and the optimization of insulin to the diabetes care nurse, the diabetes educator. Similarly, if someone was starting a pump with type 1 diabetes or continuous glucose monitoring, the doctor's role, or we saw our role to be, let's weigh up the pros and cons, let's have a dialogue with the person with diabetes, and let's together make a decision that this is where we want to go. But then the training, the education, the optimization was handled by the care and education specialist. And then what happened was, with time, I would see the person with diabetes who would be now established on a pump or established on basal insulin after the intervention by the care and education specialist. And so their role was one of leadership. And I think that's going to become more common in the United States, and I think it needs to become more common in the United States, but also because of what we've seen recently with COVID-19, telehealth and all of that, I think the opportunity is enormous, but it needs to be grasped. Where do you see diabetes care and education specialists fitting this whole renaissance idea? If you were to look at the future, where would you see the optimal place for this profession? In the future, we are going to have a digital diabetes ecosystem. And so we'll have people using wearable technologies. And the way the system will be developed is to respond according to need and not according to a predetermined structure. And it will allow people with diabetes to have an interaction with the system more often, and therefore the time as a currency becomes even more important. Now, what this is going to look like is that, and I've been in diabetes a long time, so there are recurrent questions or FAQs, and they can be handled by um, artificial intelligence, machine learning, chatbots, and everything. The creation of those questions and the appropriate answers to the questions should be led by the care and education specialist, because they are familiar with this commonality. Above that, we get into the system managing populations of people with diabetes. And this is actually very simple, but would be hugely effective. And in order to understand this, we need to make the point that the best result in diabetes care, except curing it or preventing it, is if nothing happens. Right. Okay, that's really important. Nothingness is an outcome, which people with diabetes, in my experience, welcome because it allows them to do everything else. So nothingness is an outcome. And so the diabetes ecosystem can manage people. And if nothingness is the outcome, then that's great news and everyone carries on. Where the care and education specialist can really be a powerful tool 
is when the system recognizes at a very early stage that nothingness is not going to be the outcome, that a problem is about to happen. So predictive analytics will suggest that someone may be at risk of hypoglycemia, for example. Mm-hmm. And if the technology can pick this up earlier, then there's an opportunity for the care and education specialist to intervene and to prevent a terrible outcome from happening. So there's two levels within a diabetes ecosystem that the care and education specialist can be the leader. Absolutely. And this is going to happen. And I think what we need, as well as rewarding people more, is to have more care and education specialists, but not necessarily the same structure or the same training. And here at Sanson Diabetes Research Institute, we are developing what are called community scientists. And these are people from the Hispanic Latino community who are working with that population who have you know, much higher rates of diabetes, higher A1C, and so on and so forth. We are training the community scientists or specialistas how to teach someone to wear CGM, how to do a point-of-care A1C, how to administer a psychological questionnaire, how to get someone to wear a Fitbit, and so on and so forth. Now, these community scientists are also being trained in some aspects of diabetes, but there's no expectation that they need to be trained to the same level as an existing care and education specialist because we have care and education specialists. The community scientists, we're starting to train them to say, here's some core knowledge that you have. The important thing is if someone asks you something which is not within that core knowledge, you need to recognize that and also know where to access the information to help solve, to answer that question or solve that problem. So I think one of the other opportunities, particularly going back to the very beginning, the underserved communities, is to create a new type of health worker who is data-driven, who is familiar and comfortable with technology, the community scientists. And I think in diabetes, again, we could be the model disease to create this. And I think the care and education specialists and your organization could be really helpful in making that happen. It's an interesting time right now. And I'll say like the environment is set up for this, like what you're describing. So, The association has just rolled out the competencies, which really are asking diabetes care and education specialists to work at the peak of their professional level and kind of beginning to create what you were talking about. You have specialists and then you have diabetes care and education specialists that are working, you know, at that level right above. And I think that comes down to the systems approach you were talking about. If I can try to pull this all together, where you know, a diabetes care and education specialist, if they're not doing so much of the day-to-day that a specialist could do, yes, can do more of the interpretation of the behaviors that then inform the technology, and then we can advance the technology. Correct. We know there are not enough care and education specialists, so the gold dust, and we have to do things differently here. Yeah. Until recently, if being a diabetes care and education specialist, it could be actually quite a lonely existence because 
we spend a lot of time having one-on-one interactions with people with diabetes, quite right. But there's actually an opportunity here to become a team leader and devolve some of the skill sets to others so the others can take up and accomplish many of the common tasks on a day-to-day basis. But in order for this more um, pyramidal structure to be successful, there has to be audit and evaluation of performance and a willingness to say with others that, hey, this didn't work, so let's try something else. But I think the renaissance starts today for diabetes care and education specialists. So this is the best opportunity the profession has had in living memory. I think this is an opportunity to really start this renaissance. I will say, David, it's been an incredible time to be here and see the advancement. And and I really appreciate you, you know, really sharing those thoughts and recognizing the role that I don't think people always do. I hate to have to cut this short, but we're at the end of our time. So David, thanks so much for joining us. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I've learned a ton and I know that our listeners have learned a ton too. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. Today, we heard from diabetes technology expert and author, David Kerr. We learned that diabetes care and education specialists are at the brink of a renaissance in diabetes and technology. However, social determinants of health are closely tied to diabetes outcomes and the ability to access and use technology. Diabetes care and education specialists can play a critical role in guiding and navigating at the system level and have the ability with technology to intervene before complications arise. To learn more about the latest in diabetes technology, ADCES members can access danatech.org. Membership at ADCES gives you the education, networking, and resources you need to improve your practice and optimize outcomes for your clients. Find out what ADCES can do for you at diabeteseducator.org forward slash join. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.